Okay, friends, here, before we begin, try and guess the location of today's NCEA podcast guest. Here are your hints. This archdiocese has 85 elementary schools, 16 high schools, includes 10 counties, covers almost 5,000 square miles, and serves just under 27,000 students. Okay, you get it. It's a big archdiocese, and it includes and is included on the list of the 20 largest dioceses. It's in the Midwest. You might be thinking it is one of the five dioceses in Wisconsin. Did you guess it? Join me on a virtual tour to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, as we visit the Archdiocese of Milwaukee. I'm Laura MacDonald, and this is NCEA Podcast Teacher Edition. My guest today is Isabella Chick, a science teacher from Dominican High School in Whitefish Bay, Wisconsin. Welcome listeners to Miss You's class and welcome Isabel. Thank you so much, Laura. It's great to speak with you. So tell us a little bit about your background. Sure, so um, I attended Marquette University and I was a biochemistry major, but I also fell in love with theology classes and I, I just felt that I needed both to really understand both the world around me, but I also had these intense questions about what is my purpose and what is my relationship with God. And so this kind of started this whole um, journey of, of thinking about different ways that we know things about our world and our place in it. Um, and then my senior year of college, I kind of decided that taking a research route wasn't really for me. And I entered Maja's Catholic Teacher Corps, which is a master's program um, through Creighton University in Omaha, Nebraska. Um, I was placed at Dominican High School and I lived with a community of other teachers in this old convent building. And we lived and breathed education for two years. And I've stayed on at the school that I was lucky enough to be placed at. And I can bet living in that community, you had a lot of really good, intense conversations about Catholic education. <laughs> Absolutely. It was our dinnertime conversations, <laughs> conversations, coffee shops. And it was neat because um, my um, community members also taught at grade schools and other high schools in the diocese. So I really got a good sense of where Dominican fits into the archdiocese and where some of our students are coming from. Very good. So tell us a little bit, a little bit about your school. Absolutely. So um, we have a perfectly sized, nice and small school. Um, we have about 325 students total, nine through 12. Um, our school is sponsored by the Cincinnati Dominicans um, who are located out um, in Western Wisconsin. And they were founded um, by Father Samuel Mazzucchelli in the early 1840s in Wisconsin. Um, we actually, as a faculty, got to go on a retreat to their um, the Order's house in Western Wisconsin. We learned that they set up a women's school in 1848 in the middle of nowhere, Wisconsin, and they had science classes and they learned philosophy and botany. So it's exciting to be part of um, this tradition today. And um, currently we have students that come from over 50 grade schools in our archdiocese. Wow, that, that's a great area. And I've driven through Whitefish Bay because I live in Wisconsin currently and on my way to Milwaukee, I get to see beautiful Whitefish Bay. It's a beautiful city. It is. We're right next to Lake Michigan. So whenever we, we learn about the Great Lakes in school, I'm like, it's right over just half a mile. <laughs> of us. So it's a nice reference point. Yeah. And then coming from the West Coast, 
Lake Michigan looks much like an ocean to me. So <laughs> I'm still in awe over the beauty. <laughs> so what classes do you teach at Dominican? So I teach AP biology and freshman biology. And then I have two electives, environmental science, and then this faith and science elective, which I started teaching three years ago. Um, and it's offered to seniors. So about 40 students take it each year. So um, this faith and science class um, was a big part of our conversation when we met the first time. Um, as educators, we know when it comes to mission and Catholic identity, one of our challenges we face is integrating faith culture, life <laughs> into our academic curriculum. Um, with, some, with some subjects, this task can be a little bit easier than others. And I think sometimes with science, it, it could be one of the more difficult ones. Tell us about this faith and science class that you teach at your school. Absolutely. And, and you're exactly right. There seems to exist this mythology that science and faith have to run at odds with each other. Either you're a person who uses scientific reasoning to understand the world around you, or you're a person who hands off all those questions to faith. And really, we know as Catholics that the reality of that is so much more complex. Um, so what I'm asking students to do in this course is really think about big questions that have a real impact on how we choose to live our lives. Um, so at the end of the course, students write, a paper and they have to answer three questions. Where do you come from? Who are you? And what are you going to do? Massive questions, right? <laughs> so these questions of where, where do you come from? I mean, we need science to be able to answer those questions. I, I need to understand how the universe has changed over time. I need to understand how I am biologically related to other species. So science is necessary and uh, Catholicism has a tradition of understanding that nature has this integrity that we can understand with our reasoning. But then if I'm asking a question of who am I, am I just homo sapiens related to all other um, primates? Or do I have questions that speak to my purpose and how I relate to other human beings and how I relate to God? So I challenge students to address these questions. Um, they have an option of merely talking about it from a scientific perspective. But my hope is that throughout the experience and, and what has ended up happening is students recognize that these really big questions need to have an integrated, coherent science and faith worldview to really be able to address them. And I, and I bet you get the typical question is, how long does this have to be? <laughs> and, and yes, I do give a guideline for each one. It ends up being um, about a six-page paper. It's really neat, though, to see students dig into the questions in a way that's relevant to them. You know, some students will spend a lot of details talking about their family life, or they'll talk about their life at Dominican in addition to what they've learned scientifically. And so it's also an opportunity for students to take ownership of these questions for themselves and say, you know, if you haven't thought about what your purpose is or or what your your relationship is to other people. Obviously, we know as adults that we're still answering these questions. Absolutely. But you get to say, hey, like this question exists. Like let's pursue it instead of just brushing it off to the side. So that is your end goal that they can answer those three questions in a meaningful, very personal way and show examples of understanding of their faith as well as science. What does, how do you get them there? What does this program look like? 
Absolutely. So um, I'll describe five units that I've broken this down into, um, and I'll just kind of talk about some of the essential questions for each. Um, before I get too far with that, I want to mention that there are resources available to help structure a class like this, which um, I assume we'll have linked with the, the podcast. Um, but a lot of this has come from really good work that's been done at the University of Notre Dame's McGrath Institute, who have kind of outlined some of these really big questions that can fit into a course like this if any of the listeners are interested in trying for themselves. Well, and there's a great shout out for Notre Dame. And when we get near the end, let's share how we can um, access those resources online, because I, I, I hear that they're free. Yes, yes. That's and exciting. there are so many opportunities to dig into. Um, so the, the course is broken down into five units. And the way that I've approached this as a science teacher is to introduce scientific questions and then look at areas where faith can expand upon the general realm that we're working in. So the first unit is called a quest for truth. And the essential question is, how do we know? What does it mean to find truth? What does this look like in a scientific process? And are scientific questions the only questions that we as humans ask? Obviously, no. <laughs> so through an inquiry lab, um, we try to figure out what's the solute concentration of a grape. So a little osmosis going on there. And we um, use a process where students are designing an experiment. And then we evaluate how certain we are about our answer. Great, great conversation to be able to say that, you know, scientists aren't answering anything with certainty, but we're doing the best that we can with the data available to us. And then we think about other types of questions. Like, let's say that you wanted to ask your friend what they did on vacation. You could probably look at evidence from their experience and piece together a story. But if you wanted to ask them, why did you go to this location for your trip? They have to reveal that answer to you. So in kind of a simplistic way, this helps me get students to think about, well, what is faith? Faith is having a relationship with God and assenting to or accepting what God is revealing to us about our purpose and how we relate to God and to others. Um, then in the second unit, the focus of it is physics, which is not my strong suit, but you can definitely approach it in enough of a conceptual way to allow students to say, okay, how has the universe changed over time? Where do we come from in the sense that we are here at this spatial temporal moment and we've been in existence at least as far back as 13.7 billion years. It is amazing always to talk about the age of the universe. But then we ask like deeper questions. Why does anything exist at all? Our reasoning gets us to the point where we recognize that we're totally contingent. And this is a great place to bring in St. Thomas Aquinas's um, proof for God or thinking about primary and secondary causality. And this is also then a chance to say, well, if science can tell us about how the universe has changed over time, maybe faith can tell us a little bit about why we're here in the first place. And the idea of a creator, not just changes in the universe. So we also look at scripture. We think about how scripture doesn't necessarily tell us scientific fact, but is revealing to us questions like what our purpose is and how we relate to human beings. So we spend some time with Genesis 1. We also have an activity on Galileo, because that's a great way to kind of dispel the myth that that was about a science religion conflict. Um, and that wraps up that unit. Very nice. Then in the third unit, we think about evolution with the driving question being, how did we come into being? 
This is also a really great chance to bring in St. Thomas Aquinas and the concept of primary and secondary causality to say, like, we exist in this universe as created beings, but creation is being sustained by God at all times, cum tempore. So no matter whether we, in the way that we're observing things, see chance processes and natural laws, all of this originates in and comes from God. So to help students assess their learning and really establish what the Catholic perspective is in relation to a biblical literalist perspective or intelligent design or scientific atheism, students engage in a debate where they actually have to sometimes debate a perspective that's not their own to really say, let's take the emotion out of it and use reasoning to see how the Catholic position differs from these other approaches to evolution. And that sounds fun. It is fun. It definitely gets kids out of their comfort zone, but it's a chance to say, let's let's evaluate these beliefs and see where they contradict with each other and have a firmer grasp of what the Catholic position is. Okay, well, let's find out about Unit 4 and 5 right after we pause for a word from our sponsor. Today's podcast is brought to you by NCEA's Membership Services. We are happy to announce that membership renewal has begun. Our top priority is to provide Catholic school educators with innovative leadership, professional development, advocacy, and resources to help strengthen your community. Your NCEA membership gives you and your entire team access to exclusive NCEA publications, webinars, podcasts, and many other professional development resources. To learn more about all NCEA has to offer, please visit our website, www.ncea.org. Okay, we are back with Miss Yu's science and faith class, Faith in Science. And she just got done explaining to us about units one through three of her class. And now we're going to hear a little bit about unit four and five. All right, so unit four is my favorite unit. This is the question that I think we all wrestle with. What does it mean to be human? So we start out with this question and students have post-it notes and we try to kind of piece together, well, what does that really look like? Um, It's also a chance to dive into some paleoanthropology, which at least at my school, we don't have room for in our freshman biology curriculum. And students are amazed to see the connections between our lineage and others. So that's an awesome way to supplement our existing science curriculum. What I like about this unit is it challenges students to think of themselves as both biological and also understood through the lens of faith. So understanding our our evolution is really important. It helps us understand why we have mental shortcuts that lead to bias. It helps us understand why we have these homologies with other lineages. But then it also compels us to say, okay, so what if I'm a biological being who makes judgments about the world around me? I'm also a person of faith with a moral obligation to think about the judgments that I'm making and act with moral agency. So I really enjoy bringing in C.S. Lewis, um, his kind of synopsis on the four loves. He talks about agape love in addition to the other types of love. And this helps students to think about, we have a capacity to love that goes beyond other organisms. We can only understand that through the lens of faith. Biology doesn't reveal that to us. But once we see ourselves as this in this big coherent picture, 
I am at once a member of the species Homo sapiens and a person made in the image of God with the capacity to love as God loves, loving with free will. And that for me is kind of the pinnacle of this whole course. And, and I want students to be able to walk away from this saying, like, you know what, I'm, I am not just molecules. I am, and that's really important <laughs> to understand and treat diseases, but I also have this incredible agency and that is what I'm leaving high school with. I have the capacity to love. And that's what it means to be made in the image of God. That's beautiful. I love it. So then unit five, I will be honest, I ran out of time this year to, <laughs> to get to it. So you can see that you can make this course what you want it. But um, in this section, I focused on environmental ethics and bioethics. It really draws from this conclusion at the end of the last unit. Like if we are capable of making judgments about our judgments, kind of in the language of Bernard Lonergan, if anyone um, follows that, or if I um, have the capacity to love, this means that there is an ought in my life. Like there is, there are things I ought to do and, and things I ought, ought to think about. So we don't just run wild with science. We also ask ourselves, ought we to be asking those questions? Ought we to be um, working with DNA in all these different ways that we have the potential to? So it kind of can be tailored based on student interest. Um, I really enjoy like biotechnology, but um, you can take that in a lot of different directions if you want to apply faith in a particular area. I feel like we're not just integrating faith and science here. I feel like there's debate and philosophy and, and, and really opportunities to think and for you to model thinking very deeply. When we spoke initially and you told me about this class, I asked you, um, which one you were the most passionate about teaching. And you said faith and science, but you also said you were also the most nervous about teaching this class. Can you, can you um, share why? Absolutely. So um, I, the class I feel most competent in teaching from, a, from the perspective that I really, really know every single day how the class is going to end is freshman biology and AP biology. I can set up beautiful curriculum. I love to figure out activities that will lead students to, to practice skills and draw certain conclusions. But in this class, I mean, if you're asking questions, what does it mean to be human? I, I am a human. I'm trying to answer these questions as well. And so the challenge for me is bringing in enough different artifacts for students to be able to investigate such that they can take the agency in discovering the answers to these questions for themselves. Because if I create a class where I have just stated, this is what you need, this is the conclusion you need to draw from this, it kind of defeats the whole point of the course, which is we are questioners. We come up with questions. These questions are oftentimes uncomfortable, but we have to pursue them. So um, there's a fabulous quote from St. John Paul II that for me really ties this whole idea together. He is in his encyclical Fides et Ratio, he says, God has placed in the human heart a desire to know the truth, in a word, to know himself, so that by knowing and loving God, men and women may also come to the fullness of truth about themselves. So it's setting up a situation where students can start to go after these questions and discover in themselves their own wonder, their own awe, and their own desire to know the answers to these questions. And how have their answers over these years that you've been teaching this class 
changed your answers to these types of questions. I can imagine that you're really inspired by the new thoughts that you hear from your students each year. I think I'm what I'm most inspired by is the openness they have once once they recognize oh wait the answer or the story isn't so simple here they're interested in digging into it so I've, I've taught students for example over the years who have kind of struggled to think about evolution in the context of maybe their own denomination or religious history and it's inspiring to be able to see students uh, be able to say okay I'm going to set down what I'm assuming about something and I'm going to have an openness to exploring something that's uncomfortable to me. And I I think seeing their example helps me also feel confident in being able to bring up difficult questions and also know that I am also going to be trying to understand these questions throughout my lifetime too. So it it becomes kind of this joint project um, where teacher and student, we're, we're trying to seek answers to these questions together. And I'm allowed to see how they think about these questions in the context of their own lives, which can be very personal at times. So that's a great place for this essay to kind of take shape. I I would think that it also has to be a very safe environment where they're able to take risks and be vulnerable without judgment. Um, And that you have an opportunity a lot to model not knowing the answers to things. Yes. (laughs) The (laughs) amount of times that I thought, you know what, that is a really good point. Um, this is what I know so far, but I don't think that that's the end of the road. I think you should continue to think about that question. Which is important for us to model. uh, Yeah. And, and also to say, you know, if if all questions lead to God, if, if God is the source of truth, if you pursue questions with full fidelity and don't stop short with a simple answer, this leads to God. There, there is no worry here except to shut down questions. That is the only risk is to stop asking questions. All right. So obviously this program, you said you, you've modeled it after work um, that's been done with Notre Dame. Um, and as we know, programs are not sustainable if they can happen overnight. But I'd like our listeners to be able to leave with ideas, things that they could implement in the classroom, and maybe in this case, some questions themselves on what could this look like in my classroom? So do you have any advice? Absolutely. So um, you can create a full semester course. I found that a semester, um, I think, is a more um, approachable option than trying to do a full year course. Um, I've also found that a course like this does work really well at a senior level. But if you are teaching at a different grade level, certainly there are ways to start incorporating this into the curriculum. Um, You could even, in a grade school, have a science lesson and then kind of pivot and ask kids, are these the only questions you could ask about whatever phenomenon we're studying? Are there questions that aren't answerable through science? And where do we find the answers to those questions? So right away doing that kind of helps dispel the myth that science is this kind of all-knowing entity, which true scientists will readily admit that science can't answer every question. But it helps our our grade school students, I think, see, oh, I'm a questioner, and there are other things I'm wondering about, and there are other ways to know the answers to those questions. So that could be 
um, kind of an interesting place to start. So taking taking inquiry type questions and applying them and integrating them into your religion, into your other subject matters that may, you know, may talk about moral, ethical dimensions of learning. Um, it, it sounds like it's very doable. And I think even at the elementary school level, just modeling asking questions and leading with inquiry can really be a good place to start. Yes, and being able to say, how do I know what I know? Am I certain that this is the answer? If so, where does that certainty come from? I think it allows us to open up the fact that we have lots of questions and we're not afraid to pursue them, and we're also not going to settle for answers that are simple. Absolutely. I know even as a former primary elementary school teacher, even in my religion class, sometimes my students would ask me questions that I didn't know the answers to, and I had no problem telling them, I don't know, but let's put this on a post-it and let's put this in our box. And when our father comes to visit, we can ask him. And, And that idea alone turned into a really good opportunity for the students to be able to engage our our priest in the lessons they were learning in religion class. Very often priests will come in and they don't, maybe they don't have an agenda or they don't know what they want to talk about with the students, or they just came from eighth grade and, you know, walking into a classroom where you're talking to first graders and then walking to eighth graders and then talking to fourth graders, you can have trouble approaching them on their level. But when you lead with their questions, they're at their level. And so having that opportunity for the priest to, pull those questions from the week before out of the box and read something one of the second graders or third graders wrote on that post-it was was very, very fun for the students. And, and it did. It led to a, a very um, well-spent time with their priest. And I got the answers to some of the questions that I didn't know. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Yeah. And, and it's a chance to be able to say, like, we are all asking these questions. And And people, through the tradition of the church, we have found ways to articulate some of these answers. I think that's also empowering to say, look, we have been thinking about these questions for 2,000 years, and these are some of the things that these church fathers and other theologians um, have been able to come up with answers to. I think it allows us to not feel like we're on an island trying to figure all these things out. We have the church as a whole trying to seek the answer to these questions questions about ourselves. And if people ask are asking questions about, okay, I want to do this. I want to start integrating faith questions, inquiry questions into my teaching. And I want to learn more about this program. Um, where are the resources? Tell us a little bit about it. Absolutely. So um, I have been exposed to this topic through the Science and Religion Initiative with the McGrath Institute at the University of Notre Dame. Um, they offer day-long seminars that have, I attended one in Chicago, for example, I think they have them in different large cities around the country. Um, They also have week-long seminars that your school can apply to attend. Um, And um, it's no cost to you. And and it's a really rich um, full week of not only lectures, but also being able to interact with other colleagues who are trying to develop similar courses. Um, There's also different screencasts and lectures and educational materials available um, on the University of Notre Dame's website. Um, There's a textbook written by Dr. Chris Baglow at Notre Dame that also 
was a huge inspiration in how I structured the course and kind of narrowed down on some essential questions. Um, so there are both curriculum opportunities and also professional development that can really formally help introduce you to these topics. So for me, this has been invaluable and I wouldn't have been able to come up with this without tapping into some of this great work that's already been done. Well, we can definitely feel your passion and I'm sure your students can too. And what a gift for them to, to have not only a teacher that's passionate about what they're teaching, but believes that their their students can reach these high standards. It's really clear. Um, one of the best ways to show students that you believe in them is to challenge them. And I, I, I would think that this class is is challenging for even even an adult. Um, so I like to ask some questions at the end. Um, favorite book? Brave New World by Aldous Huxley. So as a bio student in high school, this book really rocked my world a little bit. And just thinking about, oh, we could use biology in really bad ways if we make science the sole source of how we organize our world. So that was that has stuck with me. What about a favorite childhood teacher? That would be Mrs. Warner at St. Sebastian grade school. Um, I became a much stronger writer over my middle school years with her as my literature teacher. Um, and she had very high expectations of us. And it, it felt good to have high expectations placed on me and then go to high school feeling really confident that I had grown in my skills. So I'm very appreciated of her and her vocabulary. Shout out <laughs> to her. And, <laughs> and third question, why do you teach? It is so from my college experience, I became really interested in this idea of truth-seeking and reasoning as a way that we're really living out what it means to be human. So that's this kind of a philosophical background for it of why teaching was tantalizing in the first place. But practically, what I've learned over the years is that it is so gratifying to let students see their own progress. And I've really tried to take my courses and make them skills-based so that students are able to say, oh, look, like I have gotten better at writing argumentation in biology class. And to let them be able to discover that instead of, you know, just having them output something to me, that is really rewarding because I want them to see themselves as problem solvers where they can then when they leave high school say, you know what, if I don't know the answer to this yet, I can figure it out. And I will get better at whatever new skill I'm trying to learn. Very nice. Any shout outs today? Um, I'd like to thank um, my principal, Mr. Ed Foy and um, Leanne Gizzi, who's our school president, have been very supportive of this whole process. Um, my fellow religion and science teachers who um, have also been really supportive. So um, it's great to kind of be able to develop this in a community, the University of Notre Dame for hosting these seminars that have been really critical to my own development and understanding and my students who have been willing participants in a brand new course over the years and have kind of worked with me as we got things to be really tight. Well, we would like to thank you for being our guest today, Isabel. Um, we really appreciate it. Thank you. I'm so grateful for the opportunity to speak about this course. Great. And thank you to our NCEA podcast listeners. We appreciate your commitment to Catholic education. Until next time, please remember the most valuable resource we have is each other. Do you or someone you know have something worth sharing? 
Let us know. We could be visiting your diocese and introducing you as our next podcast guest. Thank you.